Well, good morning, Hope Church. It's uh, glad to be with you this morning. You know, I need to be honest with you. This was a, a rough week for me. It was rough. You see, Deanne and I got back on Sunday from our celebrating our 35th anniversary. Yeah. We got back from a, a nine-day Southern Caribbean cruise. Yeah, yeah. So it was rough. So, you know, Monday, Monday night for dinner after work, I... I she did not present me seven offerings of what I could pick for dinner. It's like, what's up? We barely had enough leftovers because we didn't even have time to shop. I had to go throughout the whole week without one piece of bacon. I mean, we're talking every morning. I'm talking, you know, a plateful of bacon. Oh, man, it was rough. And I'm telling you, after dinner, Monday night, no entertainment. I mean, she, she did, Deanna did not tell me a joke, right? She didn't sing or dance. She didn't do a magic trick. It was, it was rough. And then the last thing, I, I go into the bedroom, and I did not find my towel folded into a little animal <laughs> on my bed. It was just sitting on my towel rod like it always does. It was so, you have to be patient with me, okay? You got to be a little gentle with me this morning. It's been a rough week. So a survey was done to see which of the uh, Christmas characters from Advent most people identified with. How many think Mary? Yeah, I'm kind of feeling like that right now <laughs> after a nine-day cruise. Joseph. Joseph? No. Wise guys? Wise men? Wise men? No, no. Ho hopefully not Herod. Hopefully not Herod. Well, not surprisingly, the shepherds came out on top by far. Luke 2.8 doesn't tell us much about who they were. No adjectives are used to describe them. It simply says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. We know in the Old Testament being a shepherd was a noble profession. I mean, Abraham, right? Moses was a shepherd for a time. David was a shepherd. But by the time of Jesus' birth, this profession had lost its honorable status. As a matter of fact, shepherds made up the lowest class of people, coming in just ahead of the lepers. As a matter of fact, if you would read the Talmud, which was kind of the, the uh, a collection of interpretations from the rabbis, they said no help is to be given to heathen or to shepherds. Because of the nature of their work, they were considered ceremonially unclean, so they could not go in and worship. Because they traveled, you know, from, from place to place, finding water and, and, and food for the sheep, they were not connected, oftentimes suspect. If something happened in the area, the shepherds would be blamed. Their testimony was never allowed in court because they were considered so un reliable. They were known to be bold and brash because of that. And yet, and yet, God entrusted the greatest message ever delivered from heaven to them, to those who probably felt very rejected, very far away from God which is kind of how God operates. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 1. Brothers, think of what you were 
when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. He chooses the lowly things of the world and the despised things so that no one may boast before him. Listen to what the angel said to them. Do not be afraid. I bring you. I mean, the shepherds write up, us. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, for us, for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, Emmanuel. After visiting Mary, Joseph, and Jesus in the stable, Luke records for us the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they were told. I mean, they were just like, you know, bouncing back to the sheep. Incredible joy. But why were the shepherds so joyful? I mean, really, on one hand, nothing had changed, right? I mean, they were still going back to the same field, the same stinky sheep, the same job. Nothing had changed. But on the other hand, everything changed. Everything. Emmanuel had come for them. A Savior was born to them. And certainly, they didn't fully understand what this would mean for them, that Emmanuel had come. But by faith, they had received this message that the Savior was for them also. Years later, Peter, disciple of Jesus, who more fully understood what Emmanuel's coming meant, wrote in his letter, 1 Peter, why we can have this inexpressible and glorious joy because of Emmanuel. And so I would encourage you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. And I want us to look at five reasons why, why this Christmas, because of Emmanuel, you can experience inexpressible joy. One writer says the definition of joy is when your soul smiles. Is your soul smiling this morning? First Peter chapter 1, 3 to 9, if you want to grab your pew Bible, it's page 980 to help you out. And I'll be reading from the old NIV, which might be a, a little smidge different than, uh, than what you're looking at, but hopefully you can follow along. Peter writes this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never spoil, fade, or perish, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. In this you greatly rejoice, 
Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, though perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter begins by praising God because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth. This is the greatest Christmas gift that you could ever, ever receive. The gift of new birth. Because the Bible makes it clear that apart from Christ, that we are spiritually dead. In other words, that we, we are separated from God, from the giver of life. That we cannot love God, we can't honor Him, we truly can't follow or obey Him. We cannot connect with him in a meaningful way. We cannot experience his presence. Why? Because we are dead. Paul also writes this about in Ephesians 2. He says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, with Christ, even though we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. You see, Peter says, Jesus changed everything. He gives us a new birth. But from that comes five things that I want to share with you that lead to inexpressible joy. First of all, it's a new birth into a living hope, Peter says. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, we will never fully understand and appreciate and celebrate Christmas and Easter until we understand that we have three great enemies against us, every one of us. And apart from Christ, we can never have victory over these enemies. But Jesus, through his death and resurrection, conquered them. One enemy is Satan. Satan is the great being who is God's arch enemy. He hates God. hates everything about God. And he would love nothing better than to have you and I share a godless existence for all eternity with him. He would love to destroy you and your faith. But the Bible says that Jesus conquered him. You know, see, he thought he won. He thought he won when Jesus was in the tomb and dead. He thought he won until Jesus took that first breath again and defeated him. In Colossians, Paul says he, he makes a public spectacle of Satan because he is the victor, Emmanuel. The second enemy is a little closer to home, and that's the sin in our hearts. 
Paul says, according to your sin, you are dead in your transgressions, in your sins. Our sin is our rebellion against God. Our sin is what separates us from God. But the Bible says that Jesus willingly took our sin upon him at the cross and defeated it. Peter would later write in chapter 3, verse 18, Christ died for sins once for all. It's not his sins. <laughs> Your sins and mine. The righteous for the unrighteous in order to bring you to God. Jesus defeated that enemy. And the last enemy is death. It's the consequences of our sin, the implication being separated from the giver of life, not only now, but forever. But Jesus conquered death for us. Listen to how the writer of the Hebrews reflects on this. He says, since the children, that's us, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity when he was born on Christmas. He shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus conquered death for us. He changed everything. And I know maybe some of you lost some loved ones this year. Maybe some of you are going through some, uh, you know, very life-threatening disease. The message of the gospel is that Jesus conquered death for us. It is not to not get the last word in our life anymore. Just as Jesus rose from the grave through faith in him, we too may be raised to a, a new world, one where sin and Satan and death are no longer welcomed. And when you understand this, there is inexpressible joy that can flood your soul. Your soul can be smiling. Secondly, Peter says, a new birth into a, a lasting inheritance. He says, one that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The biblical writers try to give us a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like, but it, I'm sure it's, it's just almost impossible. I mean, walls built with gems and rubies, asphalt, gold, those things that we consider precious. Sometimes I think, you know what, is it just wishful thinking? I mean, really, are we just kind of caught up in this, this lie, this wishful thinking? But then you look all around in this world and you see the beauty of God. You see the glory of God. You know, on Sunday night, we're coming back from our cruise, you know, we're flying into O'Hare, and, and uh, this was the view that we saw out of the airplane. Where's, oh, yeah, right there. Okay, so down in O'Hare was dark, dingy, rainy, gloomy, you know, everything that, you know, represents mankind in Chicago right there. But above was this glorious view. Sunset and just clouds and clouds and billowy clouds. You feel like you could just kind of jump on them like they're marshmallows. You know, the Bible says that God created all that we see in six days. Jesus told the disciples 2,000 years ago, 
I'm going to prepare a place for you. She's been working on it for 2,000 years. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Peter says an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, fade. And maybe you've lost some things that were precious to you this year of earthly value. You know, kind of like when we totaled the car in March, you know, with that deer that ran out. I hope you hunters did a better job this winter. <laughs> right? So that doesn't happen again. I mean, I'm carpooling now with Trevor, who, who comes here and his wife come here to Hope. And he's a co-worker. So I'm traveling with him now. So I don't want anything to happen to his car. Okay? So I hope you hunters did a better job. You know, there are believers who have lost everything of earthly value but still had joy. Listen to the writer of the Hebrews. He says, remember those earlier days after you received the light when you stood your ground in the great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison. And listen to this. And joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. You catch that? Joyfully, they were, that their property was being confiscated because of Christ. Because they knew because of Christ what they had waiting them. Inexpressible joy. First Peter 4.13, later he would write, rejoice, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. A lasting inheritance. Third, a new birth into a, what I would call a protective power, God's power. He says, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power. You know, it would be, it would be just devastating to have something glorious awaiting you, but you didn't know if you were going to get there, right? So when Deanna and I got married 35 years ago, we knew we were going to move south, so we didn't want to go somewhere worse. So we went to, Orla uh, we went to Portland, Oregon, and we were going to go on the coast in Oregon for our honeymoon. So we flew a, a late night flight to Eastern Airlines, kind of a red eye, got to the airport. We had made our reservations and the car reservations through Eastern. But they didn't kind of tell me that the car agency was going to be closed by the time we got to the airport. So we're at this airport with our bags and we got nowhere to go. We have this beautiful destination awaiting us, but we can't get there. We got no car. So the second night of our blissful marriage, we spent at the Super 8 Hotel right off the airport, you know, property. Got a shuttle there. The next morning called. Okay, hey, we're, we're here. We want our car. What's your confirmation number? Told them our confirmation number. Hey, that's not a valid confirmation number. What? It's the one you guys gave me. Eastern gave me this valid, this, this, this number. I called Eastern, like, what's going on? To make that matters worse, there was something going on in Portland that week. And this car agency had no cars left. No cars left. 
finally got, got a hold of Eastern, you know, begged, pleaded, you know, and they found a car agency that had one car left. And they said, if you get here quickly, we'll give it to you. So we just packed everything, got there, and uh, this was a time where college students, we just graduated from college, we didn't have our own credit card yet, right? We, <laughs> I had reserved everything through my mom's credit card. So they say, hey, give us a credit card. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't have a credit card. What? Oh my, it was miserable. From this day, I hate trade. I hate. I really hate traveling. You know, I got to check the, you know, all the IDs and everything like ten times to make sure. But they allowed us to give us some of their, our wedding money that we had just gotten as a deposit for the car. But we had to be back a day early because they needed it by then. So we finally made it to our destination. But with God, we don't. You know, that's not the case for God. Paul says, we are shielded by God's power. Shielded by God's power. If you want to do a wonderful study, just look at the amount of times where it talks about God's power for your life and for my life. All right? Do a study of God's power. Even Ephesians chapter 1, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you who believe. Chapter 3, he prays for them, he may, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in the inner being. Chapter 6 of Ephesians, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because the battle that we fight isn't against flesh and blood. It's against Satan, principalities, powers. And Satan would love to use the challenges in your life. And that's why we need God's strength because in this journey to what God has waiting for us, there are going to be trials. There's going to be hardships. And Satan would love nothing more than to get your eyes off of Jesus during those times and keep them off Jesus. But we have God's power to sustain us, to sustain us to encourage us, to uplift us. Inexpressible joy because of Emmanuel, God with us, even in the midst of hardships, especially in the midst of hardships. And four, Peter goes on to say, a new birth into what I would call a, a genuine faith or a strong faith. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now you've had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. But listen to this. He says, these have come so that. If you look at all the times joy is mentioned in the New Testament, a high percentage of them are in the context of trials, challenges, difficulties. 2 Corinthians 8, Paul says, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Extreme trial, overflowing joy. James 1.3, consider it pure joy when you encounter, what? Various trials. 
Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Peter writes that your faith is more precious than gold. It's more precious. And gold is, is refined by fire and one day will perish. But your faith, more precious, Peter says, is also refined. These have come in order that your faith may be proved genuine and strong, holding on to Jesus in the midst of the trials. And not only that, he goes on to say, and this will result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Our smile, our soul can smile because we know that this trial, this trial will not last. But what God can do in it and through it in our faith will last for all eternity. Some of you may know the, the, the name of Fanny Crosby, who was a, a songwriter uh, for a number of years. She actually wrote 9,000 songs, hymns. Maybe some of you recognize, Blessed assurance, he hideth my soul safe in the arms of Jesus. What maybe you don't know is that at six weeks old, she had an eye infection, and uh, the doctors kind of botched the treatment, and she became blind for the rest of her life. When asked if she regretted her blindness, this is how she answered. No. She said, thanks to my blindness, the first thing I'll see is the face of my beloved Savior when he's welcoming home, welcoming me to heaven. Inexpressible joy. And lastly, Peter says, a new birth into a deep relationship with Jesus. Peter says, though you, you've not seen him, you, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and a glorious joy. You see, Christianity is not about a religion. That does not bring joy but a relationship with Jesus. The ultimate goal of your salvation is not forgiveness, but it's being reconciled back into a relationship with the creator of the world, with Emmanuel, God with us. And so Peter says, even though you haven't seen him, you love him. Why? Because your hearts have been captured by him. You've experienced his love. His mercy, His wisdom, His gentleness, His kindness, His gracious rule over your lives. You've experienced Emmanuel, God with us. One of my seminary professors wrote, Joy is the flag that flies over the castle of our hearts, announcing that the King is in residence there. Do you have a flag flying over your heart? 
And what does that flag say? Verse 9, Peter writes, For you are receiving the goal of your faith. You are receiving. He doesn't say you're going to be receiving it, but you're already receiving it. And what is that? It's a, it's a relationship with Jesus. It's not about following a bunch of rules, a bunch of religious ceremonies, but having a deep relationship with Jesus. Allowing the presence of Jesus to impact your whole being and your whole life. That's where there is inexpressible joy. Corey Ten Boom once said, if Jesus were born 1,000 times in Bethlehem and not in me, then I would still be lost. No joy. You see, the shepherds experienced joy that Christmas, but can you imagine if they really fully understood what the Messiah came to bring, what he came to do for them, like we do today? Is your life filled with inexpressible joy? Have you experienced the presence of Emmanuel? If not, there's no greater moment than today, this Advent season, this Christmas, to open up your heart and to open up your life to Emmanuel. To know that the, the message that was proclaimed by the angel years ago to the shepherds was a message for you. A Savior has been born for you. Emmanuel has come for you. John writes for us in John chapter 1. The true light of men has come into the world. He has come to shine into your heart. And because of that light, that is why we can have hope. That is why we can have faith. That is why we can have peace with God. And why we can have inexpressible joy. Which is what the candles of Advent represent. And I love how Paul ties these all together in Romans 15, 13. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, as you have faith in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray that is true for you this Advent season. Let's pray. Lord, we celebrate this morning, even 
as if we were listening to that message for the first time given to the shepherds. And Lord, we thank you for picking these men as a powerful message that this goes for all people. Those who have felt rejected, those who have felt lonely, those who have felt disregarded and despised and rejected by society, that this message is for every one of us. A Savior has been born to us. And Lord, I pray that today in this Advent season, that our hearts would be filled with this inexpressible joy that overflows throughout the whole year. Lord, that we will experience Emmanuel, God, with us. And to know that Emmanuel conquered Satan for us, conquered our sin, conquered death, to give us this living hope that we would place our faith in him. That Emmanuel is the one who is preparing a place for us that will be absolutely glorious. Our faith would be in that. That Emmanuel is the one who protects us and guards us. He is truly the guardian of the galaxy. He is the guardian of our soul, protecting us until the salvation that is ready to be revealed through faith. Lord, may our eyes be upon you. And Lord, that Emmanuel... Emmanuel, you are the one who uses the trials in our life to produce a genuine and a strong faith so that we might have a deep and everlasting relationship with you. We thank you and celebrate you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.